At this time, we'll have our second message for today by Mr. Wilson Stilwell. Thank you, ma'am. I have to say good evening, everyone. I think we just passed, we're just about to pass, anyway, <laughs> the, the new mark. Uh, I would like to say something about Mr. Frank Sherrick for just a second. He only had the uh, privilege of meeting him one time uh, up in Tyler. Uh, we were there for a Feast of Tabernacles, and uh, he gave a sermon there that day that was, uh, I've remembered it ever since. And you know, sometimes you don't remember sermons a long time. Uh, that's probably six or seven years ago he gave a sermon. And uh, I, was, I was so impressed with it, it's, it's been on my mind ever since. Uh, it was the way he put his Feast of Tabernacles together and how he, he, he carried God into it, Christ into it. God told him to go and get his, go and get his family. It was a great sermon. I, I just wanted to pass that on to you. I've wanted a copy of it ever since. I've, I've never been able to, to get one, I guess. But I really enjoyed meeting him. He was a, a very, very good speaker, very good speaker. And uh, it's such a tragedy to hear that. You know, my, my message today, God, God's eternal message, it's also a servant's warning that we want to look at. And, you know, the messages that we have heard this week so far, and we're going to hear more messages tomorrow and the next two days after that. And they're all messages of God, and in ways they're all eternal messages for us to, to partake of mentally and, and spiritually. And it, it'll help us carry what we need to, to carry and live by for Christ to gain the eternal life that we all hope for and wish for force for the return of Jesus Christ uh, and maybe see the real tabernacle for the first time with him in charge. But there are a lot of rewards in what I'm going to talk about today and then there's some destruction for others that we'll talk about today. And I picked, uh, I wanted to start with Ezekiel today, uh, verse 1 in Ezekiel. And the reason I picked, there's, there's many people, many prophets back the, in the Old Testament that uh, Christ worked with and worked through. It's what he did mostly. Not so different than what he does today. I like to kind of keep us in mind of that as we go through this today. Today, he works with people also. And... The ones that he works with knows that he's there and knows that he works with them. And of course, we see so much at the Feast of Tabernacles with everyone doing so much here that we know that he's here and he worked with many, many people here, if not all here that's here with us today. In the book of Ezekiel, we find Ezekiel, if you, sometimes if you try to put yourself in some of them's place that God called on, Ezekiel, did he have a tough a tough uphill battle, he did. Not so much unlike the ones today that he calls on to conform others if they can and relay the message they need to hear so they can stay closer to God and they can understand his truths that he has for us. But we find that he was in a, a very difficult time. He was having a very difficult duty to proclaim God's message that he brought to him and he brought him a message that he wanted him to take to some very rebellious people at that time, hostile people. And they were in captivity on the streets in Babylon. 
But God, God called on him. Called on Ezekiel. And in verse one, in, uh, uh, chapter one, and verse one. Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, and on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives on the Chabar River, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Well, can you uh, can you even imagine that? Can you imagine what Ezekiel seen? If he seen visions of God, maybe he didn't see him, but he seen visions of him, which uh, we know that. We see visions of him in our mind. We really don't know the look, but we do see visions of him in uh, the world we live in today. And then that was in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he takes him through uh, some things on his mission. He tells him about his mission, and he, he tells him he wants him to go to the children of Israel, the house of Israel. And in, in, in chapter 3, God warns him. He has, some, he has a warning for him here in chapter 3 that... Uh, we may even see some of that today as we live our lives as well as Ezekiel having a rebellious crowd to go to. Ezekiel 3 and verse 7, But the house of Israel will not listen to you because you will not listen, they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their foreheads. We run into some probably some strong foreheads ourselves in our lives today. <laughs> uh, many, many times, and I know y'all have all experienced that. In verse 9, like <clears throat> adamant stone. Wow, and if you really read up on adamant stone, it's like harder than diamonds. It was, it was equal. Equal. Harder than flint. I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks. Though they have a rebellious house, and we see that, of course, in our lives each day that, that, that we deal with, with people. And he's wanting him to get a message out to these people uh, in his day, in Ezekiel's day. And in our day, we have to do the same thing. And he, trans he transposes that right into our lives today. But he tells us something in, in verse 27 of chapter 3 of Ezekiel. He says, but when I speak with you, and he does speak with us as he spoke with Ezekiel. I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, He who hears, let him hear. And he who refuses, let him refuse. For they are all a rebellious house. We run into that, that very thing. Refusal, not wanting to understand. They're satisfied with where they're at. They, they don't need to know anything else. They think they're doing just fine in their lives today. As uh, I'm sure Ezekiel ran into uh, much of that in his day. But verse 27, we're going to go back to verse 27 a little later. So just put a, a little mark or a highlight or something on that before you can go back. If you're like me, you'll put a highlight marker like a yellow on it. And uh, if I'm not careful, I'll look back at my pages after I've been through them for a couple of times and everything's yellow. And I'm really messed up. I mean, really messed up after that. Uh, but a message, another message for us today in Ezekiel, with uh, Ezekiel is 22 and verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Now, son of man, you will judge, you will judge the bloody city. Yes, show her all her <clears throat> abominations. Then say, Thus says the Lord God, the city sheds blood in her own midst, that her time may come. And she may make idols within herself and defile herself. 
you may have become guilty by the blood which you have shed and have defiled yourself with the idols which you have made. Sounds like our world today somewhat, doesn't it? You have caused your days to draw near and have come to the end of your years. Therefore, I have made you a reproach to the nations. Even sounds more like us and a mockery to all the other countries, all countries. It could be us today. He's still, he's speaking then in Ezekiel, but uh, uh, our, our country that we see today, uh, uh, many has lost their focus here uh, in our world today, a uh, focus to continue the work that God has and then sometimes I think they want people have a way of getting into a, a, a rut of only being ready just and that's a very important thing for us to be ready the ones if we can get the message out God's eternal message and we're going to look at several ways uh, that God has his eternal message going forth that as we work our way through this we'll, we'll, we'll see some of the ways maybe we haven't thought of that God is still he says he will have his eternal message until the end. It's part of our training for the kingdom. It's part of our training. As we know in Revelation 5.10, it says he will be kings and priests at his return. And he shall reign on the earth with us. Of course, that's in the far future for us. We need to come back to our time now. I know we look forward to that. We'll be teaching then. We'll be teaching to the ones that don't know, that really don't know God then. They haven't taken the time to know Him. They haven't, they haven't sought Him out. But it's still like us today. We still seek the ones out that could know God, but, but they don't. They won't put that effort forward. In Amos 8, in verse 11, See two things. See two things. Some, some believe the commission of, a, of the witness, and you might say, uh, just being ready is enough. That really don't really don't, don't don't need to proceed with that. That part of it, uh, we just have to sit back and wait for him to return. And that's that's not that's not what God has in mind for us at all. And some look at it as a if you remember the fam a famine of the word that God speaks of. In which he does speak of that. We'll see this in, in Amos here. Uh, the second thing uh, to go along with this is certain certain ones think that only someone in maybe an elevated position should try to get out God's message, to talk with others. Which we know, and we'll see that God used some God used people that that uh, weren't at the you might say the elevated positions of. Of the full-fledged apostle in his day to, to get his message out. And we spoke of the family of the word in eight, Amos 8 and uh, verse 11. And here we see through, through Amos, he declares a, a time that would come when he would bring a special, special family, he calls it, a special family. In verse 11, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, though, not of thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. That's the famine he speaks of. In a famine, we always think a famine of hunger. Just in our minds, well, I do, I always think of a famine as uh, no food, no water, but what he's speaking of here is a famine of 
of uh, God's Word that we're going to see as we go through that we'll, we'll disappear at time, from, from time for times. And people will be looking for it. And eight, and eight what he's, he's really doing here in chapter 8, God, he's leavening an indictment against the people here for their rebellious nature that they had. And for the evil, evil works, of course, they, uh, they had seen. And, and then he says there would be a reckoning and they would go into captivity. Some ten, ten tribes. Uh, but what we see today towards us around the world, we see there was a lot of persecution then. There's still a lot of persecution today, as Dale mentioned a while ago. And we see it escalating in the world for the Christian uh, population in our life. In our world, and, and even here in the United States, we see that. And second, we spoke of uh, the ones that would spread God's word. There's, there's many that can spread God's word. You know, we had some great champions in Acts 6 and verse 8. We, Stephen, he's the very, very powerful. He gave a very powerful message. Stephen, the first martyr in the New Testament. And he, he was known as a great servant. A great servant and, a, and an eloquent speaker at the same time. In 6 and verse 8 of Acts, Stephen, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. He was just one of the seven. He, he wasn't... He wasn't a held to high, 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 high standards. He used, he used people just like he does today. In Acts in 8, 8 in verse 1, Philip was also a champion of the faith. At that time in Acts, there was great persecution going on uh, in, the, in God's church at that time also. But in Acts 8 and verse 1, we see the persecution going on. Now Saul was consenting to his death at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judah and Samaria, except the apostles, the devout men, and they, and they carried Stephen. They carried Stephen to his burial and made great limitations over him and women, and women committing them to prison. Oh, I'm sorry, I'll back up to number three. They carried his to lamentation and, and spoke over him. And in verse 3, And for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And then Philip, in verse 5, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Philip, he had a great example. Great example for the zeal he had for the gospel. Great example for the end time servants. And he did a great work for God. You know, Jesus gave a twofold commission to his disciples. And in Matthew 24, in verse 11, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Again, we see a, a reflection of the end time that he talks about. And it will be, it'll be preached until he returns, until the end comes. And it's a message for God's servants today. But the second part of that is, before he returns, in John 21, 17, he speaks of feeding 
feeding God's sheep to his disciples. His servants. He said to them the third time. Peter was getting nervous because he had already said this twice. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said this the third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. A message he sends down to his disciples. As well as then as today, he's still telling us to feed his sheep. And we see this through our weekly Sabbaths that we have together. The messages that we hear, the sermons, uh, the Bible studies. We'll hear some more Bible studies here at the Tabernacles uh, with Mr. Ian Houghton. Feeding God's sheep. And it's holy days that we're here today for the Feast of Tabernacles. And the other ones that we that we look so so forward to as the year, as we start every new year after the Feast of Tabernacles and we come into first of the year in the spring and then we come down to Passover and then we go through the holy days there are all ways that God continues to tell his disciples to feed my sheep feed my sheep but there will come a time as we mentioned that there will be a famine of God's word and only false teachings will be heard at that time you won't hear the truth out there you're going to hear false teachings it won't be allowed in public at that time. It will, there will be a famine of the word then. But does this really include the termination of God's warning or Ezekiel's warning? Chapter 11 of Revelations describes two witnesses that will testify against the earth during this time. Revelations 11 and verse 3 and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy one, 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut down heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over the waters to turn him to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. That's a pretty good warning from God right there. But it's not his last warning. It's just, it's just part of his warning that he has for us. You know, if we look back, we find God's work began, began way back, way, way back. If we look back at the warning messages to Noah, and Moses, and Pharaoh, Jeremiah and the nation of Judah, the prophets of God and until their last breath. They and God's end time church, of course, will continue it. Right down to the to the two witnesses that we spoke of here. But does that end God's message? Revelation 14, verse 6, declares that God's message does not cease cease there. Verse 6 it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on earth and every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who hath made heaven and earth and sea and the springs of water. 
we see there's still more messages to come from God. And they will come until right to the end. Maybe we haven't recognized some of these messages, but they will come. They will come. And right from the beginning, of course, God is the great planner. We know that. Right from the, right from the beginning, with his creations of the moon and the sun, there was a great purpose for that in our salvation. Another part of his message that he can stay connected with us, Genesis 1 and verse 14 then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament and heavens of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them there be signs and seasons and for days and years. God declares here that heavenly bodies are with signs and seasons, days and years. The signs sign is also translated as a signal or a mark, too. And we see that a signal or a mark. A sign that we spoke of in Exodus 31 and verse 13. God uses the same word here. He describes his Sabbaths. He says, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign, a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctify you. The heavens, he, he used those for a purpose for us. A guide God uses, and he, he allows us to use this, and it's to keep us connected with him. It's a clock that we may know the time that he has for us, and the appointed times that he has. That's how we arrive at everything that, that we do in our spiritual lives. Not forget the word seasons, either, translated as appointed times, as appointed times. And we know as appointed times we refer to as his holy days, his appointed times for us together. And of course, here at the Feast of Tabernacles, it's one of the gracious, great, great times. We go back to Deuteronomy 4 and verse 5, and, and we see an, a little different message for God's church, but it's a, it's a message from Moses. He continues God's message here. A little bit different way. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 5, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgment just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess therefore be careful to observe them for this is your wisdom and your and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say surely this is a great nation is a great nation is a wise and understanding people that's what we would want to portray to other people through our understanding and the wisdom that we get from God. And verse 7, For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgment as are in it? all this law which I set before you this day? We see that that's how other nations, that's how he wanted other nations to perceive the house of Israel. He wanted to see them as a, as a one nation under God is the way we, we like to put it. And the way we see it is that we should be one nation under God. I'm sure y'all have all heard the song, Blessed are the nations God is for. If we can have God on our side, we can't fail. Another message he relays to us. 
Also in Romans 1 and verse 20, Paul also acknowledges the heavens here when he declares God's message. He says, in Romans 1 verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. His invisible attributes. Do we see them? Do we see his invisible attributes that he has? One way to put it is, it brings the future within the present and makes the invisible seen for us through the faith in his spirit that we have. The message he sends to us. No man, just in general, may have a difficulty declaring God's greatness, but the heavens do it with joy when we let them interpret for us through God. He's given us just a glimpse, just a glimpse of the kingdom through the knowledge that he allows us. To. Just a glimpse, not, not everything, but we do see the glimpse that we see. It's going to be a kingdom of great peace, great prosperity, great health, hope, hope of the unseen things God shows us that aren't seen by all. But he does show us a glimpse of the wonderful kingdom and the things to come and the pathway that we have to get there. All through his messages. In Matthew 28, 18, we know, we know that uh, several things about God and his apostles, uh, Christ and his apostles. Christ knew, uh, knew them personally. We know that. He, he walked with them. He ate with them. He traveled with them. He traveled with them. They were taught by him. They understood him. And they understood the commission to go into the world that he had given them. 28 and verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority have been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. I am always with you. So it's, it's, that's the message he sends. His eternal message is always like that. Uh, and God's message should never stop. As long as there's ones here that can, that can send it on to others. Tell them the truth of the scriptures. You know, his apostles believed at that time that he would return at any time. They were expecting him in their generation for sure. Do we do that today? Of course. We, we, we'd love to see that in return. Because we know what the outcome's going to be. Many don't know, but, but we do know because of the eternal messages that God continues to send us. And we hear, as we hear more messages and more sermons, and look into the heavens. But they thought he would return, and uh, they were living in their last days. Of course, we figure we're living in our last days, too. We, we, don't, we don't know how quick he'll return. We can only speculate if we think. And, uh, but we are in our last days. We either Christ returns or, or, or our last days. Will we, will we uh, stay in the grave and wait until he, re until he does return at the seventh trump? Whichever way, we have, to, we have to have our message ready because it can happen at any time. For us, we never know. We just heard of uh, Mr. Frank Sherry hit by our car. Who would have thought? We, knew we never know what's going to happen. 
from day to day, uh, even hour to hour when we're out on the road. We really don't know. But they, uh, they did this. They preached God's word and all the apostles until, they were, until they're dead with a great conviction, great conviction. They tried to stop some of the apostles. Uh, as we see in Acts 14 and verse 17, Peter and John, you know, they were being told to stop preaching Jesus. Acts 4 verse 17 says, But so that it's so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But John and Peter answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them even more, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. Therefore, the people, since they all glorified God for what he had done. They believed their message. They believed the message. And, and they were steadfast with him. Very steadfast with him. We just have to... We can't just sit around and wait. You know, the apostles, if they were here today, what would they be doing? They wouldn't be just sitting around waiting for Christ's return. They would be doing his work that he had for them. It's the same work, and he guides our lives today as he guided their life. He guides our life also. In Luke 22, verse 29, they have a reward we know we see their reward and the dedication that they, they put forward as his, as his followers and his apostles. 22 and verse 29 of Luke says, And I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my Father bestowed on me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And then in Revelation 21 and verse 14 it states the names the names, that their names would be on the new Jerusalem. 21 and verse 14. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. These faithful men, they'll hold great positions in the kingdom. As the ones that will reign with him on earth and will do similar work for whatever he has for the ones that reign with him. In John 5.36, Christ stretches him, really stresses the importance of... Uh, of the work, the work that, through Him, and for us to continue. Verse 36, But I have a greater witness than John, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness to me that the Father has sent me. Christ, Christ was about His Father's business. We should be about our Father's business as we go each day in our lives. He's drawn us. We've, we've accepted the uh, invitation He sent us. In Acts 13, verse 40, and I have a couple of, just a couple of more here. I, uh, you know, we do run into uh, many, many obstacles as we try to get out God's message. And as Ezekiel ran into many problems with the people there in, in Babylon, Foreheads harder than flint. We probably bumped up a few of those against them ourselves, you know, from time to time. But uh, in Acts 13, 
40 and 41, uh, we know that witnessing, we know witnessing can be very difficult, but he has some instructions for us in his operation manual that he gives us, which is the Holy Bible and his word. We need to go back for just a second to that Ezekiel 3.27 as we started today. It says, but when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, He who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. We know that for sure. In Acts 13 and verse 4, it says, Beware therefore, lest what has been spoken of in the prophets come upon you. In 41, Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe. And many will not believe today, though one were to declare it to you. And the church is that one, that someone that he has for these very end time days, which is as long as we live, our end time days. God's church is that someone. If, you know, if they, God says if they will not believe, so be it. But they can never say the destruction came without warning. 